What does it mean to, uh, to be present? You know, being present with one another is really important, isn't it? There's something about who we are called to be together that just solidifies our relationship. But I think for many people, when you think about how to have a relationship with God, being present is something that escapes them. There's a lot of different questions that people have about God's presence. How many times have you heard someone say, I really feel God's presence with me today? You know, what does that look like for you? There's a lot of people that have questions about what it means to be present with one another and what does it mean to be present with God. This morning, we're starting a new series. It's about the presence of God, and that's what we're going to be exploring over these next several weeks together. God is real. God is present in our world, and God is present in our lives. God's presence is important if we're going to be able to explore the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with him. God's presence is important to us. You know, maybe you're with us this morning today, and and you're wondering if God is really with us. Is God really with us? Maybe you're looking around at some of the things happening and thinking to yourself, where where is God in this? You know, can God really be with you? You know, if that's where you're at this morning, we're glad that you're with us. Over these next several weeks together, we're going to be exploring what does it mean to fully experience and embrace the presence of God in our lives. You know, maybe you're feeling lost or forgotten. Maybe you're feeling isolated or alone. You know, this series is designed to help us to be able to experience the fullness of God's presence in our life. If you have ever wondered where God was, if you have ever wondered about God's presence, if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt isolated, if you've ever wondered, God, where are you in this? You are not alone. You are in good company. In fact, King David, one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament, wondered where God was present in his life in Psalm 13. David cries out, O Lord, how long will you forget me? How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? You know, it's not uncommon for us to go through periods of our life where we just wonder where God is. These are the feelings of a man that has faced many trials, that has faced many tribulations, that has had so many things go on in his life that sometimes he wondered where God was. We all wonder sometimes where God is. But you know what? The Bible also says that God is with us. In fact, in Isaiah, God works through Isaiah. He says this in chapter 41, beginning in verse 2. When you pass through the waters, when you go through your trials, when you're facing temptations, what? I will be with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. God is with us. It's a promise that he makes. I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And when the flames shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. And so where is the disconnect in our life between knowing that God is present, but then also feeling like sometimes we're disconnected? You know, God promises us that he will be with us. So how do we experience that presence of God? How do we experience that on a routine basis? Well, to begin exploring this question, we're going to look at the very beginning of God's Word. We're going to open up in Genesis, beginning in chapter 1, very first book of the Bible. The very first words are, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, God has created everything. He's created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He separated the heavens and the earth. He created dry land. He created vegetation. He created plants and stars and living creatures. As we move into chapter 2, we see the details for how he created men and women. He created them in his image, 
In the image of God, we have been created. Adam was formed out of the dust, and God breathed his life into him. He put him in the garden, and he said, whatever you do, don't eat from that tree. Then he created Eve. He had a helper, and Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, and everything was good. And on that last day when he created Eve, he looked down and he said, everything is very good. And so as you move through chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis, we see that everything is good, and, and they're experiencing the presence of God. Before Thanksgiving last year, we looked at Genesis chapter 3 in detail. We talked about the fall. Sin entered into the world. We looked at Genesis chapter 3, and we saw that sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve ate the fruit that they were told not to eat. As a result, the separation occurred. But you know what the good news was? This is what we looked at. Um, We looked at the fact that even though we're separated from God, that he knew that was coming, and he had a plan from the beginning. In chapter chapter, uh, 3, he says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, that uh, because you have done this, this is actually in chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above the livestock, above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You see, at the beginning of this time here, we see that God had this plan Adam and Eve were present with him in the garden, but we see this fall. God did, uh, he, he talked to them about the fact that they shouldn't have eaten the fruit. They did it, and we see a fall. And there's a broken relationship that we now are experiencing because of this. We didn't look at this in detail um, at the end of last year when we went through chapter 3, but I want to look briefly with you at verse 8 of chapter 3. Verse 8 says this, They heard the sound of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden on the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, well, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, in the beginning here, when they were present with God, They were physically present with God. In this verse 8, we see that they heard the sound of the Lord their God walking in the garden, and they heard his voice. You know, it was an audible hearing. You know, when they said they they heard his voice, they're talking about the fact that they heard him with their ears. It was an audible hearing of the Lord that we do not experience today, but they experienced back then before the fall. There's a common joke that says uh, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to, to hear it, doesn't make any noise. Well, there's another joke that goes if a man is wrong in the woods and there's no woman there to hear him, is he wrong anyway? The answer to that question is no. You see, if there's nobody to hear it, all you have is sound waves. In order for you to hear something, there has to be a receiver. And so if there's nobody to hear anything, then all you have is waves. It takes a receptor to be able to make sound. I'm speaking and you're listening. If there was no one in this room, there would only be sound waves. I could hear myself. But when Adam talks about the fact that they heard the sound of the Lord, their God, walking, he heard them audibly with his ears. God was physically present with them. 
It's as if a trumpet sounded. When you look at the word heard, as you look through Scripture, the word for heard is reflective of, I heard a trumpet. I heard a loud noise. I heard the voice of the one calling. There's a sense that we audibly and physically, tangibly hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord is what? What is he doing in the garden? He is walking. He is walking back and forth. And they hear his footsteps. When he talks about walking, that's the same word that's used uh, in Esther chapter 2. In verse 11, it says that Mordecai was walking back and forth listening to Esther. If you could go to the next slide for me. In Esther chapter 2, it says every day Mordecai was what? He was walking in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. He's walking like this. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Stomp, stomp, stomp. That's what Adam and Eve heard. They heard the Lord walking in the garden. And the reason this is important for us to understand is because God was physically in the presence of Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation. They were physically in God's presence. And that's where we would be today except for that fall. If it hadn't been for that fruit, if it hadn't been for that fall, we too would still be in God's presence physically. Isn't that exciting to think about and wonder what that would have been like? But because of their disobedience, we are now separated from God. We don't get to experience the benefits of being with him in his presence. In verse 20 of chapter 3, it says this, the man called his wife, he called her Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam, for his wife, garments of skin, and he clothed them. In the midst of this fall, God still cares for them. He sustains them. In verse 22, it says, The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing the difference between good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat, and therefore live forever, I'm going to cast him out of the garden. Verse 23 says, The Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out. And at the east side of the Garden of Eden, he placed cherubim and a flaming sword that, that returned every way to guard that way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve were cut off from the tree of life. They no longer had access to God directly. And then look what it said in verse 24. He drove the man out of the garden, east of the garden, and he placed cherubim and a flaming sword and turned every way to guard the tree of life. They no longer have access to the tree of life. They no longer have access to God's presence physically. They have been removed from the garden. They are no longer physically with God. And they're no longer going to live forever in their bodies. You know, we experience death today because of the fall. There was a point in our history with Adam and Eve, where we had the assurance of being in God's presence, living forever physically, and everything was good, and our relationship was good. But happened, disobedience stepped in, and we've been removed from the garden. As in Adam, all shall die. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, we are no longer physically in God's presence. Now, if the story were to end there, it would be a little bit depressing, wouldn't it? (laughs) But that's not where the story ends. In fact, that is where the story begins for us. You see, God's plan for us is revealed to us through Scripture. 
God's plan for our lives and how we can recover and have this restored relationship with him is spelled out clearly in his word. The Bible details for us with some level of detail how we can experience the fullness of God's plan, how we can experience his leading in our life, and how we can experience his presence in our life. We can experience the fullness of God's presence in our life today. Now, that's how the story began at the beginning of Genesis. And so I want to jump to the end of the book, to the book of Revelation. You know, whenever I pick up a book, I got to admit, sometimes I cheat. I kind of look through it really quick. I go to the end. I got a lot of books on my shelf. I've read some of them halfway. I've read the end of all of them because I always go to the end to see if the book is worthwhile. So let's turn with me to the book of Revelation. and Let's see what happens at the end of this story. You know, there's some exciting things that happen at the end of the story. In Revelation uh, chapter um, 20 is where we're going to pick up. You know, we just celebrated Christmas three weeks ago, and we saw that a Savior was born. It's Jesus Christ. A Savior was born, and through his death on the cross, he, we know that he saves us from our separation from God. You know, through his death on the cross, he pays the penalty for our sin. He was resurrected from the dead, and he overcame death. And we, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can fully experience God's presence in our life. That's what we celebrated uh, two months ago, just two months ago at Christmas. We just celebrated. It wasn't even two months ago. It was weeks ago. It seems like months ago, doesn't it? We just celebrated Christmas. The fact that God is with us and we get to explore all the benefits of, of having him with us. We saw that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we can fully experience God's presence. And that we're, that's what we're going to be celebrating in just two months. You know, Easter's coming. It's hard to believe that we're already planning for Easter. In fact, after this series is over, we're going to be looking at a new series, uh, looking at the law and the cross, and we're going to be moving towards Easter, and we're looking forward to being able to celebrate the hope that we have in Christ. But we see all of these things as you read through Scripture. But then when we get to Revelation, we see that there's this end times that we're, that we're going to have to address. We have the beginning of time in Genesis, and we have the end of time that we find in Revelation. Then in the middle, we find that Jesus came the first time to save us, and he's coming a second time to judge us. He's going to come the second time to judge the living and the dead, and there's going to be this final disposition for all believers based on what we've done with Christ. Once again, we're going to have an opportunity to be physically in God's presence. We've been separated from him, and we're going to have an opportunity to be physically with him again when Christ returns. It's an opportunity for us to be in his presence because it depends on what we've done with Jesus Christ. We're all going to be raised. We're all going to get new bodies. And whether or not we're in God's presence for all eternity or separated from God's presence for all eternity has to do with our faith. As you read through Scripture and as you move towards Revelation, the hope that we have is in Christ and knowing that when he does return, we are once again going to be in his presence. Look with me for a moment at Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. It gives us a glimpse of what is to come. John's writing, and he says this, I saw a new heaven. I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea, it was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You see, John gets a glimpse of a new heaven, and a new earth. You see, everything that you see with your eyes, everything that is around us right now, it's going to be destroyed. The world that we are experiencing right now is temporary. When Christ returns, not only do we have the hope of being raised and being made new, but there's going to be a new heaven, and there's going to be a new earth, and everything here is going to go away. It's going to be destroyed. 
There's going to be a new Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven that God has prepared in advance like a bride. You know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And God is going to start all over with this new heaven and this new earth. And those that have a relationship with his son are going to be in his presence for all eternity. And we're going to be physically in his presence. And we're not going to die. There's not going to be any more weeping. There's going to be no more gnashing of teeth. And we're going to have the assurance that we can be in his presence and live forever, just like it was at the beginning of creation. But we've got this fall, this drop that we're dealing with. God is going to start again. Beginning in Revelation chapter 3, it says this, I heard the loud voice from the throne saying, what? The dwelling place of God is with man. God is going to dwell with us again. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. There's going to be a moment in time in our future when Christ returns, that a new heaven and a new earth is created, and we're going to be in God's presence physically for the remainder of eternity, just like it was at the beginning of creation. And so when you look at the Bible, when you look at how the first chapter opens, it's with God's presence. And in, in the last chapter, as you close out, we see that we're going to be in God's presence physically again. And here's the best part. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 says this, The angel showed the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and the lamb through the middle of the street and the city, also on the either side of the river, was what? The tree of life. We get access to the tree of life again. There's water flowing out of it, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the lamb of God with him in the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit. Yield each of its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. We are going to be in God's presence again. We are once again going to have access to the tree of life. And that's what we have to look forward to. In the Bible bookends, beginning in Genesis, the physical presence of God, and at the end of Revelation, again, the physical presence of God. And everything in the middle is how we relate to and have a relationship with God today in the middle of this fall. And so it would look, you know, something like this. Genesis and Revelation are bookends. We were with God physically in Genesis. We had the fall. And now we have Genesis through Revelation that help us to be able to understand how to have a relationship with God, how to experience his presence, how we're to live our life, God's purpose for our life, until that time that Christ returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to be physically in presence in God's, in, before God again. Genesis and Revelation book in for us the physical presence of God that we will be able to experience, that we missed out on because of Adam and Eve, but that we get to look forward to because of who Christ is. There's a physical presence of God that we're all going to experience. That's the hope that we all have. One day, you're going to hear the voice of the Lord. You're going to be in his presence, and you will be his people, and, and he will be your God. And that's the hope that we have. We are physically looking forward to being in God's presence. Right now, though, we have this fall. We're, we're separated from God, and we experience brokenness in our relationships, in our relationships with each other, in our relationships with Him. But we know that God, in the midst of this, provides us hope. Even though we're no longer in the garden, He promises that He will be with us. 
And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at different passages that talk about how we can fully experience the presence of God. But it's important for you to know that ultimately we're looking forward to not just a manifestation of his presence today, but ultimately that we're looking forward to being in his presence for all eternity. That's the hope that we have. And when Christ returns, we are going to be either in his presence for all eternity or we're going to be separated from him for all eternity. At some point, this decision is going to be made final. And so this morning, I want to ask you, are you secure in where you're going to spend eternity? Above the line is physically presence with God. That was uh, Michelangelo's finger of God. That was a, if you ever tried to search for an image of, the, of God, there is one an image. So I find Michelangelo's, you know, you got God and man. And, but, you know, he's going to be with us. And, and we were with God in the beginning, and we're looking forward to being with him in the end. Below that line was our physical separation. But you know what we have? We have God's word that sustains us. We have God's word that guides us and directs us and helps us to understand how we can experience his presence. In the book of John, John writes this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. The word is God. And so when you're reading through the scripture, when you're reading through the Bible, this is God speaking to you. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is, this is how we know how to hear from God. God still speaks to us today. Not audibly like he did in the past and not, and not audibly like he's going to in the future, but he speaks to us today through his word. And so if you want to hear the voice of God, it begins by getting in, into his word. God's word is how we experience God's presence. It's where we find our purpose. It's where we find life. It's where we find hope. It's where we find significance. It's where we find the fullness of life that God has designed us for and created us for. Jesus came so that we could have life and we can have it to the full. And we find all of those things in Scripture. And as we meditate on it, as it, it transforms our mind and our thinking, it changes our heart, and we get to begin to, to, to feel that in our own souls. You know, God's Word is 5% of communication, which is why the preaching and the teaching of God's Word is important. It's why it's important for us to be able to read and to share what we're hearing with others. We, we pick up tones when we're reading through Scripture. In verse 22, in, uh, verse, in chapter 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, and the presence of God was there. It's tonal. It's exciting. And when we preach and we teach and we listen to and we read Scripture, the t- words come to life. It's important that we read and we share and we talk about what we're learning in God's Word. The story of the Bible is about our redemption. It's a story about how we can have a restored relationship with God. It's a story about how we can experience His presence. Even though we're not physically present with God, we can be present with Him as He works His Spirit out in our life. God is present in us, and He is present with us, and He is around us and in us and all around us. And we find all throughout Scripture, we find all throughout the Bible that God is present with us. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that Jacob wrestled with God. He had hurt his hip. His name got changed to Israel. You see story after story of where God is present throughout Scripture. In Exodus chapter 13, God appears in a pillar of cloud with a fire in it by night. And that's one of the passages we're going to be looking at in our series. God manifests his presence so that we can see him and understand him and follow him. In Exodus chapter 36, it says the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God. God fully engulfed and 
just enclosed that temple. God's presence was there. And the people could go to get and be a part of God's presence. Only the priest was allowed to go in on behalf of that and meet with God in that way. But God's presence was manifest in that temple, in that tabernacle. In Matthew chapter 1, it says what? Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see glimpses of what it means for God to be with us. And so when we're reading through Scripture, that's one of the things that we can look for. If you're looking for how to experience God's presence in your life, all you have to do is read through Scripture and look for examples of where that shows up. God shows up in amazing, mighty ways all throughout Scripture. And we read those stories. It encourages us in our faith, and it gives us examples for how we can experience God's presence in our life. In fact, listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says this in verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that God's Spirit dwells in you? You, if you are a Christ follower, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you are now God's temple, and God's Spirit dwells in you. And so people can experience the presence of God as you share with others what God's doing in your life, as you talk to others about what you're reading in God's Word. We are each manifestations of the presence of God. That's why it's so important that we don't forsake meeting together. We encourage each other in the faith. We encourage each other in our walk. It's so important. It's vitally important that we not forsake meeting together. It's important that we encourage one another in this way. For this reason, because we are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in us. And when we come together, there's a manifestation, there's a sense of God's presence in in your life. When we're singing worship songs, when we are reflecting on God's word, God's presence surrounds us. God's presence is in this place this morning. God's presence is with you if you're watching online. The Spirit of God indwells the believer and manifests itself out in relationships with people around you. You are a temple of the living God, and God's Spirit dwells in you. And as a result, you are experiencing God's presence, and the people around you are experiencing God's presence. Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at how we can experience God's presence. But I want to encourage you today that you do not need to wait for the next couple of weeks or for this series to start experiencing God's presence. God's presence is available to you right now. If you're wanting to know more about how to experience God's presence, it begins by understanding how to have a relationship with Christ. That's where God's presence begins. You know, in John chapter 6, verse 44, it says that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father who sent him draws him to himself. And then I will raise him up on that last day. And that last day in Revelation, when Christ returns, all those who are Christ followers are going to be raised and they're going to experience and they're going to live physically in the presence of God for all eternity. But the Spirit of God today is drawing people into a relationship with himself. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, then there is something missing in your life. The Spirit of God is external to you. You have to ask the Spirit of God to come into your life to make Jesus your Lord, and to make him your Savior. And that's the point at which you begin to fully understand and experience God's presence. It begins with understanding who you are in Christ. You cannot experience the fullness of God's presence without having the presence of him in your life. Now, you can see evidence of God throughout all creation. You can see the mighty, powerful works of God working in the lives of the people around you. But if you want to personally experience God's presence in your life, It begins by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ and asking him to come into your life. And I have conversations with people every single week 
I talk to somebody that has questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. And so I know that there might be some here this morning, whether you're in person or whether you're watching online, and you're questioning whether or not you have a relationship with Christ. If you can't definitively say that I have a relationship with Christ, then today is the day that you can ask Christ to come into your life, and you can begin to experience the fullness of God's presence in your life. It starts by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ. And then knowing that the Spirit of God can be in you. Romans 8, 11 says that if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of God is external. You ask Him to come in and the Holy Spirit will indwell you and you will have a sense of God's presence in your life. And if you've done that and you're still feeling distant from God, then we have an opportunity to encourage one another, to sharpen one another. I'd encourage you to start reading the Bible. I'd encourage you to get involved in a small group, find some place to serve, get involved in some relationships with some people around you. We need to serve one another, love one another. And in the context of doing that, we are tangibly reflective of the body of Christ. That's why each one of us has a spiritual gift, and we use those spiritual gifts to serve others and to build up and strengthen the body of Christ. And when we come together, there's something about who we're called to be. This is not just a gym. It's not like going to the grocery store. We are the body of Christ. And when we come together, we are representative of Christ himself. We're reflective of the body of Christ and others see him working in our life. We're a witness to those around us. And there's something about who we're called to be together. But God's presence can be in you. But experiencing God's presence, it is a choice. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If you do not have Christ in you, then you do not belong to Him. God loves the world. He loves the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We need the Spirit of God in us. If we're going to be called Christ followers, the Spirit of God needs to be in us. If we want to have the assurance that when Christ returns, we're going to be physically present with him for all eternity, we need Christ in us. Or what we're experiencing today is going to continue for all eternity. We can either be in his presence or not be in his presence for all eternity. And it depends on what we've done with Jesus Christ, his son. You know, experiencing God's presence is a choice. And we make choices every day about whether or not we're going to experience God's presence. But it begins by understanding the need for making a faith commitment. And if you're watching with us online and you want to know more about how to have a relationship with Christ, maybe today you want to ask Christ to come into your life. Today is a great day to say, I want to experience the fullness of God's presence in my life. I want you in my life, not externally. I want you in my life. I want to experience the fullness of how to have a relationship with you. Then you can just pray and ask him to come in and he will. You know, if you're in person with us this morning, you can just simply in your chair this morning, just just bow your head and say, God, as best as I know how, I want to make you my Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for my sins. And when he returns, I'm going to be resurrected. And I want to spend eternity in heaven with God when he returns. I want to be physically in the presence of God. You have to ask for that. By not asking for that, the default is, is that you're not going to have it. And so if you want to experience the fullness of God, it begins by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ. And you can pray that this morning. If you're online with us, there's a little button there you can click. There's a little place for you to uh, just click the button and say, I want to I have a relationship with Christ. I want to know more about our relationship with Christ. 
There's also a place for you to click a link for an online connection card. So if you want to know more about what it means to have a, have a relationship or if you have questions about that, uh, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. In fact, our online hosts are there right now. You can click that prayer request to say, I want to pray with somebody right now. I want to commit my life to Christ. I want to experience the fullness of God's presence in my life today. God's presence begins by understanding your need for a relationship with Christ. And so we want to help you to be able to experience the fullness of what that looks like. If you have any questions, you know, please let us know. If you're with us in person, you've got a connection card sitting there on your chair. And if you do not have a relationship with Christ this morning, if you can't definitively in your mind say, I know where I'm going, I know where I'm going to spend eternity, then today is the day for you to settle that question. We were physically in God's presence at the beginning. We're experiencing the results of the fall right now. All you have to do is look around the world. It has fallen and broken. It is messed up. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, Turn on the news when you get home tonight. You know what I'm, I tell you? I, I can already tell you what you're going to find. Brokenness. <laughs> Broken relationships. Sin. Fallenness. This world is messed up. Don't be surprised by it. The real, the real hope is, is that Christ has overcome the world. Our peace is not found in the things of this world. Our peace is found in him. And, and when we place our faith in him and he is in us, we have peace that enables us to look forward with anticipation to the return of Christ and not be distracted or discouraged or unearthed or unnerved by the things that we're seeing. Christ is going to return, and that's where our hope lies. And if you have a relationship with Christ this morning and you're still feeling distanced, then, you know, it's important for you to be connected to the body of Christ. You see, in the early church, back in the book of Acts, it gives us a picture of what it means for us to be connected to one another, to be experiencing the fullness of God's presence in our life together. In the beginning of the book of Acts, it talks about Peter who stands up and he, he, he gives a sermon. He's teaching and he's preaching and says 3,000 people made faith commitments today and then they got baptized. 3,000 people. Wouldn't that be great? Can you imagine 3,000 people? <laughs> I don't know. We've got our baptism uh, trough over there and uh, we can do them one at a time. I think, can you imagine 3,000 people making faith commitments and getting baptized? You know, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've never had an opportunity to be baptized, I want to encourage you to take that step. God will move you out of that, uncom- that uncomfort zone of, of wondering where God's presence is. If you haven't been baptized, that's one of the, that's one of the first things a believer can do to be in obedience. You know, we've been, we've been called to be obedient and baptize one another. We, we go make disciples and we baptize people. It's not, it's not an option. It doesn't say if you have time or if you feel like it. Baptism is the first step of obedience that a Christ follower can make. And if you haven't been baptized... Baptism will sit right over there, and we would love the opportunity to schedule a baptism for you. We'll do it during the week. We'll do it on a Sunday. We'll do it whenever you're available. You know, that baptism trough is, is, is an exciting. It's exciting when people get baptized. We've got some flowers along the side of the baptism right now. Those were a courtesy of Jay and uh, Teresa uh, Page. Uh, Jay's dad went to be with the Lord um, this past week. We had a funeral service for him um, yesterday, and it was a celebration of life because, because uh, Knapp, Jay's father, was a Christ follower. And we celebrated the fact that he was in God's presence today. And when Jesus returns, he's going to be physically in God's presence and we're going to be together with him. Now, that's something to look forward to. That's what every believer has to look forward to. And if you're not experiencing the fullness of that, then it begins by looking at where are you connected to the body of Christ? In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, the disciples uh, devoted themselves to what? They devoted themselves. It was a priority for them. They focused on it. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. They heard the words. 
The words were there. They heard the words. They had the tone. They were, they were in fellowship with one another. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship. They were in presence with each other. We had all the components of the relationship there. We had the words. We had the tone. We had the, the nonverbal cues. And we had the being present together. All five things were, uh, all four of those things were uh, present at the early church. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And then what happened? Awe. A sense of awe came upon them. Upon every soul. A sense of awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. That sense of awe is the presence of God as it manifests itself in the local church. Do you feel a sense of awe when you're together with us this morning? Do you feel a sense of awe at at worship and and God's word and and a sense of awe at the hope that we have in Christ? Do you feel that sense of awe? That is the presence of God. And that's my prayer for our church, that when we come together to worship him, that God's spirit would just pour itself out on our congregation. And that when you leave here today, you will have been filled with the Holy Spirit and others would come to see Christ in you. And that you would give others a sense of the Holy Spirit in you and give them a sense of God's presence in your life. You are a temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And because of that work, others are drawn into a relationship with Christ, and they sense God's presence. You know, in fact, in verse 46 and 47, day by day, attending the temple court together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having found favor with all the people. And then what happened? The Lord added to their number day by day, those that were being saved. As we come together and study God's word together, as we worship together, as you live out your faith, you start to experience the fullness of God's presence in your life. If you are not fully experiencing the presence of God in your life, if you've made a, if you've made a faith commitment, maybe you've been baptized. I find a lot of people, after they make a faith commitment and they get baptized, they think they're done. That's where the journey starts. It's like marriage. You said, I do. And you think, okay, well, we're married now. Guess what? That's where it starts. Marriage is work. You know, it's about relationships. It's about talking and listening to each other and working through life together. And guess what? When you make a faith commitment, it's a covenant relationship between you and God. He promises to save you, and you promise to make him your Lord and Savior. And so it's a relationship. And you work on it as you grow in your faith, you become more mature, you get an increasing sense of God's presence. And so if you've made a faith commitment, maybe you've been baptized and you still feel stuck, then it begins by devoting yourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and to serving one another, and to being a part of the local body of Christ so that a sense of awe can become among us. That's who we're called to be together. And as a result of the work that God's doing in you and in us together, other people see that, And what happens? They're drawn into that relationship with Christ. My prayer for Springbrook is that we would each have a sense of God's presence in our life, that we would experience the fullness of life that we've been promised through Christ. And as a result of that, when we go out of this place and we go into the world, others would see Christ in us and that they would be drawn to you, they'd be drawn to this local body of Christ, and others would be saved. That's why Springbrook Church exists. We exist to reach our community for Christ and to build passionate followers. It begins by understanding who we are in Christ. It begins by understanding the need for us to be together and connected together and committed to one another. And as a result of that, we get to experience the fullness of God's presence in our life. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you have not had an opportunity um, to uh, 
uh, you know, start on a Bible reading plan this year. This is a lot be the last time I mention it. Um, we are now, we're two weeks into the new year. But if you have not uh, started a Bible reading plan this year, I want to encourage you to make 2021 the, the, the year that, that you start experiencing more of the fullness of, of, of Christ in you. That you experience more of God's presence. It begins by being in his word. And I just want to encourage you that if you uh, did sign up for that plan, um, we're reading through the Bible in a whole year. I just want to encourage you. The goal is not to read through the Bible in a whole year. The goal is for us to just be in God's word. If you read one verse, you should celebrate that. Pick up the Bible and read one verse. This book will change your life. This book describes for us the things that were in the past, the things that are to come, and how to experience God's presence in your life. And if you're not experiencing God's presence in your life, it begins here. And it's as easy as picking up this book and picking up one verse. If you're reading a Bible in a year, we want to encourage each other. We want to spur one another on towards faith and good works. But if you're reading uh, through the Bible, just, just start with a verse. Just start with any verse. You can still join the plan. We've got two groups on uh, Facebook and then a group called uh, MeWe. And uh, it's a new social media platform. And uh, right now we have over 50 people that I know are reading through the Bible this year. We've got closer to 75 people that I know are are reading something. Maybe they're doing devotions. Join one of those groups so that we can encourage one another. So jump in and and experience more of what God has for you this year. And if you're not connected to a small group, small groups are life-giving. They're where relationships happen. It's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. As we move into the new year, we're kicking off our winter small group open enrollment. And so if you want to get connected with others in the context of a small group where you can study God's word together, where you can be in fellowship and you can learn together and be encouraged in your faith, this is a great time to get connected to a small group. And if you can't find a small group, Pastor Matt or I would love the opportunity to help you start a group of your own. And so we'll help you start a small group because I tell you, being in biblical community is so important. It's where we learn about God, encourage each other, and grow in our faith. As we kick this new series off, I want to encourage you to be praying that God would give you an ever-increasing sense of his presence in your life as we move into this new year and anticipate his return. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you that we can fully experience uh, your presence, even in a fallen and broken world. I do look forward to that day that I'm going to stand before you on your throne. I, I do look forward to being in your presence I look forward to being among that heavenly host that is singing out to you and praising you each and every day and living forever. God, that is going to be great. Heaven is going to be awesome, and I can't wait. But God, I also know that we live in a fallen and broken world, and I'm just grateful that as a part of my relationship with you that I can be drawn closer to you, that I can experience your presence in my life, and I pray that for my friends this morning, God, that they would sense your spirit working in their life. Draw those to yourself that don't have a relationship with Christ yet, and God, encourage and fill those that do. God, we look forward to all that you have for us as we continue to move through this year and move through this series and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. If uh, you are with us in person, you can pick up a baby bottle um, out at the desk uh, to support informed choices. Uh, if you're watching with us online, you can go to springbrook.org uh, slash bottle or slash baby bottle, and uh, you can pick up the information to uh, make a contribution to informed choices as well. It's a privilege for us to be able to support and encourage uh, other faith communities in our community that are having an impact for Christ. And so if you have any questions about Springbrook, be sure to download our app. Uh, visit our website and sign up for our email if you haven't done that yet. I hope you have a great afternoon. Uh, Thanks for being with us, and may the peace and glory of God rest on you as you go into this day. Have a great afternoon.